a rich tradition. College Football Podcast is now live. Hello and welcome to a rich tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Stelton Bowl. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. Roberto, we're back for the second week in a row. Wow, look at us. Some yeah, man. Yeah, it's you know what's you know what's funny is that when we don't have a gazillion things going on in our lives, we're actually able to be consistent with this because we love doing this. Yeah, you know, we got our big boy pants on for two weeks in a row. I am literally wearing the most comfortable pants in the world. No, I'm well. I'm still in my day pants. So. <laughs> oh, okay. What what are day pants for Spencer? Day, let, what, I mean, hold on. Let me let me yeah. guess. Okay, all right. It's one of two things. It's either a pair of jeans, or it's like those like scruffy looking. I just worked outside construction or landscaping khakis no they're a little better shaped than that uh but they are khakis yes but they're okay. in better shape than that because well no i didn't mean it i didn't mean it as a negative like right. i can no, just, I understand like style right no these are these are regular khakis i think that you would you know perhaps wear with a, a nice shirt and maybe take them to a nice date or maybe even to church perhaps so that their church yeah that their church there kind of big so i'm in my me. yeah i'm in my day pants um still from oh. From the work day. All right, so not a ton to talk about today, but there are a few things that we uh, had on uh, the list. Obviously, the NFL draft has finished up, and there's always fun conversation kind of on Mondays and Tuesdays after the draft from kind of a regional standpoint, and it gets picked up in other places too, but the kind of who did really well in the from the college perspective. And I even like taking it a step further and going – you know, to the state level, because I think that's really the only reason to go and look at how well the conferences did in terms of and then match it with the how well the individual states did from like a high school perspective. And so we figured that we would uh, we would jump on that uh, SEC, of course, again, had a lot of success. I think since 2007, they've been leading the way uh, with the most players drafted. And that makes sense because. All of the firepower is in the southeastern part of the country, or at least the majority of the firepower is in the uh, southeastern part of the country. I think 65 was the number uh, this year for um, uh, for the SEC, and then the next closest was the Big Ten. I believe the number was at like 43, yep. somewhere along those lines. For, for me, this conversation, and, and I'm not, I'm not trying. We did not talk about what we were going to necessarily. What or how our conversation was going to go, but so I hope that this is not uh, <laughs> this is not come across as a negative towards what you just said. But um, for me, the focus I care about as far as uh, the conferences and who goes to the draft and you know who gets drafted in the NFL and stuff like that. For me, the mo- the more important part is who's still in the NFL after their first contract. Like that's sure, what I yep. that's that's what I would like to see is like. Okay, you know, you see these nice little pretty toys. It's like the oh my gosh, I'm not gonna remember the movie, but like uh, it's got Simon Pegg. Oh, it's about an alien, and they go to Comic Con. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's like a one word thing because the alien's yeah. name is like Earl or something. Yes, like that. yes, yes. And Seth Rogen plays the the alien. Anyway, like sometimes with these draft picks, especially in the first round, especially with quarterbacks who are like at a fifty percent fail rate. By the way, for first round quarterbacks. 
they like it's just like in that movie where he sees this like awesome sword and then he tries to use the sword outside of the building whenever he's it's oh it's authentic it's it's really worth it's re- you know really worth your money you you know you can use it when in battle if you need to and Seth Rogen's character just keeps saying it's a false economy man it's a false economy and <laughs> and he takes the sword and he uses it later and it breaks right in front of him and he just says told you false economy <laughs> and and I just kind of feel like sometimes that is how that that is how it's worked. That, or that's how it works in the NFL to where, you know, yeah, man, these kids get drafted and they, you know, they look all pretty and nice because they're on these squads of teams and, you know, not to belittle their ability, you know, being five stars or four stars. But then they come in the NFL and like you get really excited on draft day. You get really excited in the offseason. But then as preseason games start getting played and the season starts coming along, there's players that start not mattering. And that's those players that were drafted in the first, you know, first three rounds. And then they are, you know, they're gone. Uh, you know, they're gone after, you know, after a couple years. And and so I, that's what I would like to see. And I know that's, that's probably impossible to come up with. But, like, how many players from these conferences are actually getting to their next contract, are actually staying in the NFL? Yeah, and that's, I mean, maybe we can do that next week. We can pick a draft from... I mean, we're in 2021 now, so maybe we take the 17 or the 18 draft and we go back through it and we look and we see who made it to second contracts. I don't think that would be a an extremely difficult thing to do because I agree with you. And I think we touched on this in last week's episode about, you know, it it all matters where you end up. Like, would Jerry Rice have been the greatest of all time had he not gone to San Francisco? Or, you know, just would a role player have not been a role player his entire career had he not ended up in the one or two stops that he made and he learned a couple of lessons or and because that's kind of how I think about what you're talking about is there's so many different factors that lay into the kids get to choose where they go coming out of high school and they kind of get to say, okay, I'm comfortable here. And in some ways that works out really well for them, maybe not all the time, but in a lot of ways it does. And then when you go to the NFL, you don't get to choose. They're choosing you. So now you have to go and adapt to a whole brand new place, a whole brand new culture, new offense or a new defense, uh, you know, a new city, new atmosphere, new locker room, which is probably the most important part. You've got new teammates to get to know and to prove yourself against. And, you know, what happens when you don't do a good job with that? And now you've just been given generation changing, uh, generation changing money for some of these guys who have never had money before. And now they're being given it. And how does that change? And, and then how they perform, you know, on the field. So yeah, yeah, I like, you know, Ryan Rosillo, someone who you and I both you know respect and enjoy for what he does. You know, he has this thing he's been on for like almost five or six years now that you know we suck or not us, but NFL GMs suck at developing or they either suck at picking talent or coaches suck at developing talent because of the fifty percent like fail rate as a um, bus rate of quarterbacks. Like and, and he's gone through every quarterback for like a 20-year period. I think he even went further back than that one time. But he did it 20, 20 years back, and he t- like he was saying names. I was like, oh, my gosh, I remember that guy. And you're like, oh, my gosh, he sucks now. He's not even in the league, you know? And and so, like, that's something I would like to look at. But with that said, you know, I don't, I don't want to de- derail your point. Um, it was another It was another SEC-dominant thing, you know, who's to say what will happen here in five years, like I said. But, like – the shocker to me, and I'm sure we were going to get to this, so I'll go ahead and stumble there. Uh, where was the Big Ten or Big Twelve in the first round? I sent you the text earlier this week, and there were what 33 players taken in Texas. 
mm-hmm. uh, at, or out of Texas, out of high school football from Texas. There were 33 players taken, and there were another 13 from Louisiana, which of course borders uh, Texas and LSU and, te- uh, and the and the state probably have you know a, a bunch of battles against one another for players. But ultimately, those two states had a lot of players go into the NFL draft overall. So this might not be apples to apples because we're comparing you know first round to the entire draft, but Texas has 33 total players, uh, Louisiana 13 more, but the Big 12 doesn't have a number, you know, a first-round draft choice. Something about that, to me, screamed screamed recruiting. To you, it screamed development, specifically at Texas, and I think maybe you could point the finger at other places as well. If I saw it correctly, Oklahoma had a player go in the second round. It was an offensive lineman uh, Creed Humphrey. I didn't see what pick he went. I know. I think it was 63 that he went. And so if that's your highest draft choice, boy, what is, is there a dip somewhere in the recruiting before like maybe a Lincoln Riley stepped in or just before Lincoln Riley stepped in and some of these other coaches stepped in at their, um, sorry, <laughs> at their other places, a great you know, alarm on the phone to go off. But, um, you know, is there some sort of dip in recruiting somewhere that happened or is it like you were talking about a second ago with the evaluation? Did did we just evaluate some uh, some Big Twelve players, you know, poorly? I think we were both right when it came to that text that you sent us. Sent. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. You're right. Like I, I really do because it, it baffles me. It baffles me that Texas has you know has had so many elite players, you know, or I'm sorry, they've recruited so highly as far as rankings and stuff like that. And then to turn around and not have a single player go in the first round, and you know, and that's I am talking about Texas, but also that's Texas Tech, that's Baylor, yep. like that's to Oklahoma uh, State. That's Oklahoma State. You know, heck, it's Oklahoma. Now, right. my my argument, uh, you know, my defense for Oklahoma will be that's because all their dudes returned, and and this upcoming year, like this next year, will be their you know dumping of talent because yeah, and, of so many guys. And, like we mentioned with Creed Humphrey, I think he went 63rd overall, but he mm-hmm. might have been a guy who could have gone in the first round, 63s, you know, well into the second round. But nonetheless, there could have been some guys that were graded first round guys that ended up not going because there's always a couple of reaches in that first round. There's always GMs who, you know, maybe sent out smoke screens like San Francisco did with the third overall pick. They sent out a massive smoke screen. It worked to perfection. Maybe that's happening further back in the draft. And so, you know, McShay and Kuyper are reporting that guys are going to go in the first round, but maybe general managers really don't feel that way. They've just, you know, sort of misled uh, the the, converse, the public conversation about what they want to do because they need to keep people off the send of the player that they want. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think the other thing that makes it interesting, just sticking with the Big 12, because and we'll move over to the state of Georgia and how, you know, just from a state standpoint – Georgia had six players, Georgia high school football players, go in the first round. Six Georgia high school players went in the first round, similar to, you know, to Alabama having six. And the Big 12 has, you know, zero. I think that's another sort of, and I'm sure Texas had, a, you know, at least four uh, that went in the first round, if I, if I counted correctly uh, earlier. So that's just a, a, another layer of that. But again, the high school talent is Texas. It's Florida. It's um, Georgia would then be third, and then California had 19, which is a little bit lower than what I think they have been before in the past. But I think you got another clear picture as to where the, you know, where the talent is around the state or around the country, uh, going e- even 
you know, from high school into college, and then it goes into the NFL as well. There's sort of that direct line that you can continue to draw that uh, that those states are not just producing great high school players. They're getting through the college level and then going into the NFL also. Yeah, and and to to your point, I think Georgia was number one if you like per capita, like if yes. you you know draft picks per capita. And you know, you and I have talked about this before off the air a lot. You know, it it, it is interesting that Georgia has become this like you know cesspool of talent. Two of the top quarterbacks that went in the draft this weekend were Georgia high school uh, players. Uh, Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence, of course, number one overall, and then. Uh, Justin Fields. How do you feel about Fields in, in Chicago? Just to sidetrack a minute. Oh uh, well, I will just say this too. I got to see both of them play in high school, which was pretty cool because I live I live fifteen minutes fifteen minutes from uh, where where uh, Fields went to school, and then I, I live about twenty five minutes from where uh, Lawrence went to school. Um, well, I think you and I got a chance to see Lawrence in a state championship game when he was a freshman. Yep, in uh, Colquitt County, played for a state championship. Yeah, absolutely. We're there, we were there with our buddy uh, Russell J. Hansen. So, um, and 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 I, if I remember correctly, that game for Lawrence in that state championship was low scoring. He was a freshman. There wasn't a whole lot to see just because it was kind of a sloppy game. And um, but that was the first time I got a chance to see him in 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 person uh, there at the Georgia Dome. Rest in peace. Yeah. Well. Well. Listen uh, to, to your question. Sorry to distract us or derail us. Um. I actually think that this could really this could be really beneficial for Fields. Uh, I think this benefits Chicago right now more um, because I like I've because I have a buddy um, Peter Bobbles. What's up, Peter? If you're listening, um, who who I work with at Mount uh, you know, at my school, who is a huge Chicago fan, and he like follows updates and he is like he is dialed in. And we were talking about this, and I was like, dude, so tell me if I'm wrong, but like Fields right now is the most talented quarterback Chicago's had since what? Like, like two thousand. And he and and he, and he was like, I I actually, <laughs> Robbie, the, he, he actually was baffled because he hadn't thought about that. But he's like, I think you're right, <laughs> just just by sheer talent. Um, not to say that you know he'll pan out, but right now they have a player, they have a quarterback. Who who can really benefit them? For, who can be a beneficial for them? Because I would argue that the last two seasons specifically, they've only been a quarterback away from being awesome. Yeah, really, really a special group uh, in a lot of different ways. Uh, and don't count out Rex Grossman now. Took him to the, the Super Bowl. The, the Matrix the ma- took him to the Super Bowl. Look, okay, I'm going to push back <laughs> on that. Okay, uh, Rex Grossman. Rex Grossman was just a facilitator for. Uh, an, an amazing, incredible defense, the best kick returner and punt returner in in uh, NFL history, and um, oh my gosh, the running back. Uh, was it Matt Forte? No, no, it was before it him, wasn't it? Huh? Yeah, it was before him. And you jerk. When you now. say it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah, be because I'm, I'm, I'm in the same place you're at. But uh, yeah, no. While you look that up, I, I'm so one to your point. Chicago does not have a four thousand yard passer in their franchise. Thomas Jones. Thomas Jones. Thomas Jones. Okay, yeah, he was a yeah. he was a dude. It was him and Cedric Benson. Benson, um, that's the other one. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry, but yeah, no. So Chicago does not have a four thousand yard passer in their in their franchise history. I just learned that over the draft weekend because the thing the the program that I was watching, the guy was a, a Chicago nut, and he was he was just going he was flipping his mind because Fields fall, fell. Chicago traded up to get him, and they were just so excited about that. Um. I'm I'm nervous about him being in Chicago to be honest, because I just don't know. Why? Are they going to use him right? Are they going to? 
I mean, is he in the best situation to succeed there? You feel good about Trevor Lawrence being teamed up with Urban Meyer, the football coach, but how, I mean, I'm nervous about. I like Fields being I like teamed. Nagy. Do I you? like that. Yeah, I, I like Nagy. I I truly think that that Nagy did the best he could with the quarterback he was given. Yeah, and and and, and I, I'm going to stand by that honestly until I'm proven wrong, um, which you know could happen. But like, I I truly do not think. That I think that that was more on Trubisky than it was on Nagy, and people can say, you know, look at this decision, this decision. Well, I would argue, look at the quarterback and look at how awful he was when he when they absolutely needed him. Yeah, and you know they went what thirteen and three last year or two yeah, years the, ago. Yeah, the game plan's always going to look bad if the if the execution's not there. Mm-hmm. So and so and so like I I think I think Fields will prosper there just by this just because. He has got such great talent around him, and I can honestly see this. And look, here here's the hot take. I think just by team success, he could possibly have the best season of any of the quarterbacks drafted this upcoming year just because he's the one who's walking into having like a full team around him already. Yeah, and an energized uh, Khalil Mack can go a long way Oh my gosh. Uh, on the defensive and, and, side of things. And Roquan Smith being yep. healthy this year too. Yep. All right, so anything else now that we've sidetracked for a little while? Anything else on the, you know, the college viewpoint of the NFL draft? We both agree that sort of where these guys have ended up and, you know, will they make it in their new homes? That's certainly, you know, something interesting and, and we can put a pin in it for next week to, you know, take the 17 draft and sort of relook at where everybody's at from that first round at least. I would just say that from a college football perspective, for so many people that were upset and mad about the lack of defensive play this year, um, you know, in the college in, in the college ball games, right? Like, oh man, no one's playing defense. I would argue that part of last year's you know defensive decline has a lot to do with COVID, uh, you know, the lack of offseason training and stuff like that. But also, how many uh, the lack of elite defensive line talent. And elite linebacker talent, like literally the Buckus Award winner, was a second string draft pick. You know, I'm sorry, second second uh, second round draft pick. Yeah. You know, and and now look, you know, we found out that he, it's because you know he possibly had some some health issues, but like there were there were no elite D linemen, no elite DNs, no elite linebackers this year, and was you know, not a defensive draft. You're right. No, it was not a defensive draft at all. And so, again, for, from the from the college football perspective of the narratives that was of last season, oh, no one plays any defense anymore. Well, I don't know if it was that, or maybe if just there wasn't the talent at well, you know at a at a senior level or a junior senior level that that could allow a full a team to play full defense. Well, you remember Navy's first game of the season, and yep. Navy just oh, yeah. got I know torched going this. in that first game. Yep, and they came out and said we. We took an approach that was COVID beneficial, and we didn't do a lot of tackling. We tackled, you know, dummies and things like that, and it showed. It ended up showing up. Now, obviously, nobody else didn't do tackling for, you know, what three, four, five months, whatever it was. But maybe, like to your point, I think that maybe has a lot to do with it. You just your defensive practicing. You you only had so much time, so you focused on your offense to make sure yeah. you could try to score points and. um you know, sustain yourself that way when maybe traditionally, if this was 10 years ago, probably everybody focuses on their defense and all the offenses look bad. Yeah. And so, hey, you, I bet you didn't expect me to have that kind of take. 
No, I guess not. Boom, boom. I don't expect a whole lot of it out of you anyway. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> that, that turned dark that, quick. That escalated quickly. Yeah, it did. Oh, holy crap. Uh, okay. S- speaking of things escalating quickly, the <laughs> name, image, and likeness uh, bills are starting to really move. Let's, let's go. Our, our Florida meltdown last week proved to be, um, I guess they heard us. Maybe they listened to the podcast and heard us meltdown the way that we did. Uh, and they flipped the script almost overnight, immediately. The state of Florida flipped the script. They're good to go for July 1. They got confirmation from Mark Emmert and the NCAA that the that they will not be punishing student-athletes uh, in the states that have name, image, and likeness. Um, that seems sort of like a duh kind of thing, but you sort of have to get that out of Mark Emmert and the NCAA before you can proceed. And uh, Emmert gave them the, the green light, and so they went with it and— or you know they they kept pace with the July one and didn't push anything back. Uh, the state of Georgia has signed theirs. I think South Carolina has one that's on the governor's desk. Um, Tennessee, I think, signed theirs this week as well. Uh, Kemp signed his uh, just today, the day that we're recording here on a Thursday. So the interesting thing, though, that is in the Georgia bill is this seventy-five percent thing. Schools schools can, if they want, they can they can basically take seventy-five percent of the profit that a player makes. And put it towards the school. However, for, for for Georgia at least, university, they have already come out and said we we are in no way, shape, or form going to do this. And and so and I would imagine Georgia Tech would follow suit, and Georgia State and Valdosta State and West Georgia and Shorter and whoever else would uh, Georgia Southern would follow along with that. So it makes me wonder why why the heck is it even in there to begin with? What benefit is it? Whose back is being scratched with this is what I'd like to know because it doesn't just you don't mistakenly put seventy five percent in there or the, you know this this whole thing in there by mistake you know you didn't copy and paste to the wrong document here. Well, whose uh, who's back is being scratched on this? <laughs> you think? I mean, dude, look. Okay, I, I know we, we we don't try to be political on here, so like I'm gonna try to keep it that way, but well, it's almost we almost can't help it, right? I yeah, mean, like like I okay, fine. Like I'll be blunt here. This is a hundred percent on something. For freaking homeboy, uh, the governor, like there, there's no freaking way. Brian Kemp's his name. Yeah, Brian Kemp. I, <laughs> I always forget his name because he doesn't matter to me. But like, it 100 percent like has to be what you just suggested. Someone scratches back, or someone, you know, someone somewhere, it like a school official or something like that encouraged him to do this because because they they want to they want to have a loophole to try to get a hold of the of these kids' money and. There's no other way around it than to say this is them trying to get a hold of these kids' money. I would love to learn more. I hopefully over the next uh, you know week or so or a couple of weeks there will be more. You know the the right the the right questions will be asked and hopefully answers will be found that you know as to why this is in the why this is in the bill because it just doesn't seem to make sense as nobody's going to capitalize on that because if they did. You know, star players aren't going to come to Georgia, and they're not going to come to Georgia Tech. And it's like, no, I'm not going to come when you're taking 75% of my money and giving it to people who didn't earn it. You're going to take 75% of my social media account that's all me and nobody else and give it to everybody else? Come on now. Yep. That that just sounds that sounds silly. Asinine. Yeah, asinine. I mean, I just don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. And the couple of people um, uh, I texted uh, Jake Roos today at uh, rivals, uh, yeah, Rivals.com. And I said, you know, what is this here? Do you know why this is here? And he's got, he had no clue, just like I was. I mean, you just, you just don't know why this is, sort of thing is there. It's crazy. The thing that I saw about Alabama's bill 
that they, I think, passed either this week or late last week, and Georgia has this in theirs as well, was the financial literacy. There's a line right at the end of the Alabama when that's financial literacy classes. I think in Georgia it's like five hours or something like that of class time for financial education. And I thought, man, this would go – that could be the a major game changer from a money standpoint that's not direct money in everybody's pocket. 2012 was the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary broke mm-hmm. where, where it details the lifespan of an NFL player and it detail and it details like five years after these guys retire or their careers are over, they go broke and because they just don't have any financial discipline. They don't have any financial you know education about what to do with their money. And that's 2012. That's nine years ago. Now, hopefully things are better now, but still you feel like, and I would love to know what the updated numbers look like. But just the financial literacy of these programs uh, like Apex at Florida State and Advantage at Alabama and, and whoever else, I feel like that could go a long way whether the kids are making – you know, whether individual people are making a ton of money or not. Maybe they're learning about how to protect and how to spend and how to take care of the money that they'll make in the future, not just the money they're going to make immediately while at school. This is something that I wish would have been there when I was a kid. Sure. You know, no, when, I mean, when I was in college, like – I think this is brilliant. Um, I can't remember or not. Was it a stipulation that they had to take these five hours, or they could not receive the money? Is that is is that what I saw, or is that am I am I just creating that? I have not seen. I think it's a part of the program. So yes, I think they have to take mm-hmm. the classes as part of the as part of having access to their content and um, being helped out and that sort of thing. Yes. So yeah, I would say yes. Okay, and I, I think that's like I was just gonna say. Like I think that's brilliant. I, I think that's very smart to do. Like, this is not some tyrannical reign. This is not some, you know, some garbage of trying to control the young people. This is to help them understand financial responsibility and what, like, what the freaking crap to do whenever you possibly get all of a sudden you're handed $10,000. Yeah. Like, life changing, generation changing money. Yes, because it's going to happen. It, it'll probably happen July 1st, <laughs> you know? And, like, all I got to say is also, Spencer, you ready to hear this? I'm going to whisper it in your ear. You ready? Mm-hmm. We're going to get a college football game with players' names in it. <laughs> Let's freaking go. Very excited about the – I've not been thinking about that. I've sort of put that on the back burner, and I'm glad that you've brought it back up because um, that's probably the best thing about all of this is my own selfish need, your own selfish need, our own selfish need as fans – uh, to play an updated, finally play an updated game, uh, you know that has, uh, you know that has all the nuances that you know you'd want to have in a in a video game with the players' names as well as the engine and all those different things. It gets exciting. You build your own program. I'm gonna take over Tulsa and we're gonna win a national championship, baby. Those are the two things for name, image, and likeness that I had, and I'm trying to remember what else I wrote down on my note sheet, and I don't think I ended up writing anything else down. So I might have exhausted everything. Uh, on my sheet, we did have Kansas hired a new football coach. I think since we've been gone, best hire they could have made. Yeah, I think I agree with that as well. I, I heard that sentiment uh, mentioned earlier today as well by somebody else, and I think you're right. Somebody who has experience doing less with or doing more with less, and so that'll that'll go a long way for them. I think. And Lance, uh, is it Leopold or Leopold? Leop- Leopold. Yeah. So he comes over from Buffalo. Successful everywhere he's been, man. Yeah, and and somebody brought up Arkansas too. And I think that that's a, a really fun example of look what look what can happen if you just change your attitude. 
And look what can happen if you get everybody organized and on the same page and a collective group working towards the same goal. Like, look what can happen when, you know, when that's what you can get uh, out of your football program. And they don't have to be the most talented, but they can go off and they can give everybody a run for their money. And they can go off and maybe even steal a couple of games that they weren't supposed to uh, to win. And, uh, you know, maybe they should even have more games because uh, some wins were stolen from them. But that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just I like the idea of switching mindsets and culture and all that jazz. Um, I listened to a conversation earlier that sort of put it real eloquently um, about getting everybody on the same page. Did you have something else or do you want me to bring up what I, what I brought to the table tonight? Yeah, go, you, you go ahead. I want to... I want to take a shot at my Georgia Bulldogs for a minute. A shot? Yeah, I got I got a critique of alcohol. Got, <laughs> no, no, we're past those days, Spencer. Um, we're, you're we're past it. You're past those days. Uh, I'm sorry. I have <laughs> I have had alcohol beverages with you before, and I know what you can and can't drink, and how much you can and can't drink. And I recall a night that I'll never forget of icing you three different times. Yeah, because okay. I'm not used to. I was not a person uh, don't you, who had been in into those worlds and doing the party stuff like you guys had been used to. Yeah, yeah and I, used to. And I got iced three times in one night because I didn't know what the heck was going on. It was you guys. You guys like, ambushed me, is what and you, you say. Did. You guys, me and my brother. <laughs> yeah, you, you and Corey ambushed me. <laughs> All right. Anyway, okay. So recently, um, Georgia has had a slew, and I say slew because after about after about two uh, specific player position group, like uh, certain players from certain groups of play or positions leave, that's no longer a couple. That's a slew. Okay, a slew of players of DBs have transferred out of Georgia. Um, Tyreek Stevenson, you know, he, like, all for different reasons, not negative towards the University of Georgia, but Tyreek Stevenson, mom wanted him closer to home. Uh, he, He was truly missing home, so you know what he did? He went home. He went to Miami. That is where he was from. Um, you know, makes sense, okay? Um, this kid recently, Branch, um, uh, he has transferred out, but he is believed that he is actually going to quit football completely or maybe go JUCO. Um, just just continually injured. Um, and, you know, may not just have that, may not have that desire to want to keep going through the rehab process and stuff like that. And then you have also, um, in the past week, um, Amir Speed. Okay, four-star kid um, out of Louisiana. Everyone was surprised when he flipped from LSU to Georgia. Um, it is also believed that mom and dad want him to come home. Um, not everyone is as comfortable and set with this COVID stuff as you know as some may be. Uh, and also, you know, he didn't get to go home. You know, he hasn't been able to go home because of COVID and and stuff like that. So my 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 criticism to, to Georgia is not in the sense of like, hey, these players are going home because, you know, or leaving because they want to go home to their parents or, or whatever. It's that they are now in a position where they have to rely on the transfer portal to fill position groups, specifically at safety and at cornerback. And that is just not something that I would have expected from the University of Georgia of needing, like, you absolutely have to have the transfer portal or you're going to be in trouble. And, you know, Tyke Smith, the, the transfer out of uh, West Virginia, safety, he's really good. I'm, you know, I'm thankful for his, his, him, him coming to the University of Georgia. He's supposed to be moved to the star position. But, like, I just did not think it would be in position with the, with the level, with the high level that Kirby recruits. I just did not expect 
the necessity to have to rely on the transfer portal to get us through the season because our depth is so poor. Yeah, and and so I was looking at the transfer portal. I told you earlier this week that Bill Conley at ESPN had started his AAC previews, and so I was looking through those, and the first two teams that I read about, he mentioned having a bunch of transfers on the roster that could be major contributors. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to note, I'm going to, I'm just going to jot down his his uh, when he brings up transfers. And so nine for the first two teams, and then he didn't mention transfers for the next couple of teams, but I went and brought up the transfer list and was looking at you know Houston and different other teams. And as many players as Houston has transferring in, they've got transferring out. It's almost like you're playing the transfer portal because you have to because people are transferring out. And I think that's a problem that everybody's having. Because when I went through those schools, and this is just one conference in the AAC, it felt like as I was counting transfers in, there were just as many, if not more, transfers out. And Georgia's in a position of, you said Amari Speed, I'm seeing Major Burns is transferred out. Uh, and I, I, meant, I, meant, I, I meant Major Burns, my bad. Okay, yep, no, no worries. It's, it's um, not Amir Speed, my bad. Yep, no worries. So, I mean, Georgia's having players transfer out, so yeah, they're having to get guys to come in because at some point you're just going to, I don't know if I'm concerned with Kirby more than I'm just, this is the transfer wave right now. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. think you can really look at any coaching staff and be you well, know, too, it, too, too upset. The, the reason why I'm upset towards Georgia is because of the last three or four recruiting classes that have been so defensive heavy, specifically the defensive backfield heavy that has been because that's what Kirby does. Kirby does defense, but Kirby specifically does defensive backs. And look, we did have a new DB coach come in who is legit, the kid, the, the dude from West Virginia. And so there may be some, you know, there may be something there that he is, he's looking for his guys. And he may think who he has on, you know, on the roster right now are his guys. And he's happy with that. But I also know for, I know specifically that Georgia is going after a couple of these dudes who are in the, who are in their, uh, the portal right now, or who will be in the portal in the next couple of days. And yeah. I don't know. Uh, Auburn's got a player in there. And two, don't yes. forget about the draft either. You know, Georgia's now for the third straight year had a slew of exodus yes. to the draft. Wide receivers first, offensive linemen, and now defensive backs. But, and but, Kirby, but Kirby can't but Kirby can't uh, can't develop, you know. Can't develop. Yep. Now I'm sure it's drafted. Yeah. Nine, nine, yeah, you're right. That's yeah, that's a conversation for another day. But yeah, no, Georgia's just had a bunch of players exit. So yeah, they have to look to the portal and you know, you're thin just because, well, we probably weren't expecting a lot of these guys to play this much time and to have this, you know, we didn't mean to put this much on their plate at this point. So, yeah, we need to go out and get experience because all of the experience we had exited the door all at the same time for the third straight year at one particular position. Yeah, no, that that's a good point. It, it's just something that I was thinking about over the last like couple of days. Um, and then one other thing. This is completely off off script. You you, you don't know what's coming, um, and we don't have to spend too much longer on this because I know we, we can get out of here. Um, this and we can come up with a list of coaches, you know, um, in, in the next couple weeks, or if you know, we we'll do this next week. This can be a little primer. Chip Kelly's in a make or break year, right? See, now you've been dogging Chip Kelly, and I think you might be getting close to owing somebody an apology because I feel like Chip Kelly had that team playing very well th in the that's, short season this year. That's actually my point. Th that's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Like, because of how well they showed out towards the end of last season, you know, with the everything that was going on, and now he has got so much returning. And what, this is his fourth year now? Is this his third or fourth yeah, year? I, yeah, go ahead. Okay. We'll, we'll go with four. I'll okay. Check. Uh, we, we're going on his fourth year. His quarterback is well vetted now. 
he, I just don't think he has any excuses left, right? Like, he has to perform. And I, what I mean by that, I do not mean win a title. I do not mean win a Pac-12. I mean, dude, you've got to have, like, an 8-4 and four kind of season, right? He's not I, won, I would think so. Well, you need he's to, not, you won, need to he's be... not won a single he's not won a single out of conference game since being at UCLA. Ugh. Yeah, he's going into his uh, fourth season. He started in eighteen. Isn't that nuts? Uh, three and nine, four and eight, and then three and four last year. And obviously, the offense got much better uh, there in uh, in last season. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I could see that, but at the same time, who who are you? You know, you're, this isn't Chip Kelly. I'm at, well, <laughs> <laughs> this isn't Chip Kelly at USC. And while UCLA doesn't have a bad history in football, they've not had a whole lot lately. So, who are you? Can you give him a little bit more time? He is progressing things. Um, but I agree. I mean, five six. I mean, you need to be get you need to be to a bowl game at least. And you're probably right. Eight wins would go a long way to cooling off a, a seat if it's heating up for you uh, there at UCLA. Okay. And obviously it would go a long way for the Pac-12 as well. And look, like I said, we can we can do this. We can kind of do this in the next couple of weeks. If we want to go over the next few weeks, like we can end each show with like coaches with something to prove or something like that. Because I think there's quite a bit of coaches this year who have a lot to prove. I would agree with that. Cool. One last thing, and I know we want to go. Did yeah. you hear what Charles Barkley mentioned about name, image, and likeness, circling back to that conversation? Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, please correct me if I'm wrong, but he he, he was pointing to the fact that it was going to be divisive, possibly yep. against the players who are elite and getting all this money and players who are not. And yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. Like, Well, and I think there's already things at play that do that. I think... I think Life. guys are yeah, I think guys are going to be okay with each other getting theirs. It's not going to be universal because you got a room full of 80 different people. So yeah, there might be some of that. The thing that he sort of seemed to lean on when he's talking about that and locker rooms getting divided because somebody's going to have car deals and jersey sales that somebody else isn't going to have. I I don't think that this is going to be an emphasis on car deals and jersey sales. I think this is going to be emphasized on, sure, maybe there'll be some endorsements to go do some commercials for the local car dealership. Yeah, maybe that. But anybody who's not getting that still has the opportunity to monetize their YouTube or their social media. There's an opportunity for everybody, whether you're the offensive lineman or you're the star quarterback, there's an opportunity for everybody to earn. So I don't think anybody's going to be real irritated with one another to to a dangerous extent to where you know the locker room's going to mutiny because again I think they'll all understand that there's different avenues for everybody and yeah the star quarterback or the running back or whoever can go do all this other stuff but I might have an opportunity and heck I even put it on Twitter today I think if you're the owner of a buffet in Tuscaloosa and you're, you're not and, and you're yes you're not beating down the door at Alabama for the for all of the offensive linemen to come do some goofy a commercial at your restaurant about eating all of your food, you're missing out. You are missing. That's money well spent. And they're Agreed. all running around in some sort of, I guess they wouldn't be in an Alabama specific Jersey, but maybe they're running around in a heck. Maybe they can get permission from Alabama. I don't know what the rules are on that, but ultimately they can run around in, you know, the right kind of colors for the school and 
you know, make make you a bunch of money. I think there's an avenue for a bunch of different businesses to help these players out because they'll they'll be willing to. You don't want my money to go straight to the athletic department. I'll, I'll give it to these kids, sure. So I I think those opportunities will be out there. I think I might disagree, uh, disagree a little bit with uh with Charles Barkley on, on that front. Me too. And I think that's it. Yeah, man. Well, I, dude, this has been a great show. I'm glad yep. to be back with you, sir. I, I as well. Like, rate, review, subscribe, all those different things. We appreciate you um, uh, tuning in and kind of sticking with us as we sort of will uh, take some, uh, what's the, sabbatical for quite some time. And we're back around now. So excited to do it. He's uh, Robbie. I'm Spencer. Two friends, one love. And that is college football. We'll catch you on the flip-flop later. Later.